All right. Welcome in on another episode of the Outside the Lines podcast. Today, we have some interesting Iowa State angles for you. We are going to talk about the NFL draft. Yes, Cyclones in the NFL draft is coming up here soon. We have some USFL action. Looking forward to watching our boy E-Zone. Yes, EJ Bibbs on the New Orleans Breakers. We got some new segments coming on that we are going to introduce to you later on. And of course, Newt will give you his fantasy baseball takes because apparently he just wants to take these somewhere. But as always, we are presented to you by BNC Fieldhouse. Head on over to BNC Fieldhouse for the best drink deals on Welch Avenue, as well as the best place to watch the big game and head on over there every Wednesday for Wing Wednesday. Yes, moving forward, they have 50 cent wings. And of course, they have a new drink as well called the Cape Irana. I might have mispronounced that. Cape Irana, it looks delicious. It has some sugar, some lime, and some vodka. If you're into any of that, head on over to BNC Fieldhouse, and of course, head on over there to catch the big games this weekend. Well, we are coming off a red-hot Masters weekend. Congrats to Scotty Scheffler on a very dominant performance and a nice little, you know, consolation prize for Rory McIlroy, some guy who just probably was never going to win until he realized he wasn't going to win, then he just played out of his mind. So, I don't know. Interesting weekend. Congrats to Scotty. The best nap of the year has already happened. What are your thoughts, Luke? Yeah, it was kind of boring, honestly. Yep. <laughs> Very boring. Um, the Masters is probably the one golf tournament I for sure tune into every year. I, I say I will get to the other majors usually as well, but the Masters I'm, I'm much more diligent about. Um, I have a question for you. Did you get to see you get to see what Sky Scheffler looks like? Like you saw a picture yeah. of him, you see him play. Oh, yeah. How old do you think he is? Did you hear how uh, old he was? No, I didn't. Um, okay. How old know. do you think he, he just, is? Looks like early 40s, mid 30s, maybe. I don't know. He looks younger. Do you want me to tell you how old he is? Sure, sure. How He's old 25. Is he? He's 25? <laughs> yeah. Holy yeah. shit. Doesn't he look like a 33-year-old accountant who has like Dude, two he's kids? 25 <laughs> in winning the Masters, and we're over here just recording a podcast that has, I don't know, we don't need to describe or to disclose how many listeners we have. 20 listeners. It could be doing better. It could be doing better. <laughs> man you know the masters so old the masters is one of those like golf events where you kind of just threw it on because you feel obligated to there's really nothing else going on that weekend and i mean i okay i kind of like watching golf i kind of do but to be completely honest it's mainly just for the good naps you know like and if tiger's playing out of his mind then it's a lot more fun i'm a brooks kepka fan i like watching him too but I don't know. It's just, it's one of those events that I watch because I more so feel obligated to. Like, did you know who Scotty Scheffler was until the Masters? He was the number one player in the world. So, barely. <laughs> but that, yes. That, you know, gives how much I, I didn't know, know a lot about him. I didn't know his age until I looked at him and I was like, how old is this guy? And then they said he was 25. And I was like, I cannot believe this because he looks very old. But he looks but like yeah. a guy that I would, I would trust my life with my insurance. Like if he, if he sells oh, me insurance, yeah. like, yes, I'm definitely buying insurance from you. Yes. Oh yeah. He give you a great rate and excellent service. Oh yeah. You know, he, he would, he would answer the phone right away. And if he doesn't answer, he'd give you a call back within 24 hours, just like he advertised. <laughs> yeah. That's well, the Scheffler promise. 
That's the chef with promise. And that was talking masters. <laughs> I don't know. Tiger Sports didn't do game. anything. Kepka no. wasn't even there. I mean, Kepka got cut. Yeah. <laughs> Max Homa. I guess I was rooting for him, but everyone knows he, was that he wasn't going to do shit. <laughs> yeah, he was real bad. Uh, well, let's, uh, let's just move on. The NFL draft. So we have a lot of Cyclones in the NFL draft and actually a lot of hopefuls. You can see... Quite a few names that will likely be called, and I would say upwards of on the on the good end of things, maybe maybe like eight, and that's definitely wishful thinking. But I would say you can probably expect to hear maybe a total of four names in the NFL draft. Obviously, everyone's been talking about Brees Hall, you know. And I, I recently, I think a few episodes back, I said I would love to see him on the Rams, and I'm abs- I'm absolutely going to backpedal there because firstly. The Rams don't have any draft picks, so that's not going to happen. Um, but what do you think about this, Newt? What do you think of Brees Hall in a nice, crisp blue and red and white Buffalo Bills jersey? Huh? That is one of their needs. Get to play with Josh Allen. Wouldn't be too bad. And a lot Wouldn't of people are bad. saying he could sneak in the first round. If he does, it would be you know end of the 20s, maybe 31 or 32 or so. But that is where he would fall in the first round, I think. Like, if there is a team that is going to pick him in the first round, I could really see it being the Buffalo Bills, possibly the Kansas City Chiefs. But I I don't know. I think the Kansas City Chiefs kind of have a few, you know, few too many holes to fill in their own team with their offseason that they've had. But I don't know. I just recently thought of that. Brees Hall in a Buffalo Bills uniform would just look beautiful, too, especially because the Bills. They're one of those teams where if you watch them play on their best day, it's really hard to argue that they're not the best team in the NFL. Now, are you going to catch them on their best day every game? Probably not. So that's, you know, why, why they lose every now and then to <laughs> Jacksonville Jaguars. But it's okay. The Colts did too. Um, but I don't know. Like, they, their running game is honestly Josh Allen. Like, I think he led the team in rushing for most of the year. I don't know if he finished the season and with as the um, rushing leader on their team. But – to have a stellar running back like Brees Hall who can also catch the ball too. I don't know. I, I that was kind of where I would love to see him, you know, land in the NFL. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, that would be a great organization to be in. He wouldn't I feel like it wouldn't be as um bad as Dave Montgomery with the Bears, where he's oh, yeah. probably their, their best offensive weapon. And it, Dave Montgomery is just like, can I ever play? In a, in a decent offense because I feel like even at Iowa state, he, he had to do a lot for us. Like the line was not oh, yeah. great. And David was, was making a lot of chicken salad, out of chicken shit. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think, I think Reese would be great um, with the bills. I, I think they're one of the more um, like unique offensive teams. I, I feel like what they've been able to do with Josh Allen and, and tailor that offense to him, they'd be able to probably plug in Reese as well um, and, and hopefully have some success there. You know, I, I think running back just the trickiest one because I, I feel like a, a lot of times, you know, one, it's dependent on teams' needs and if they want to spend a high draft pick on running back capital. And two, you know, I, I feel like they're the easiest kind of to plug and play in. You know, obviously there's a difference between being like a three-bound back or maybe like a pass specialist um, or a two-down or goal line back. But a lot of times they can really get into an offense and – you know, like the offense can develop around them. There's not too many hiccups. So I, th- I think Brees is, is not going to struggle to to find success wherever he goes. Um, you know, I think any team that 
that gets him is going to be very happy with the on-field performance. And I think that's what I'm most excited for is just to, you know, I don't know. It's hard rooting for Dave. Like I root for David Montgomery because I love him, but like I've also grown up despising the bears. So it's always like, that's like the worst thing. So as long as Brees just doesn't go to the bears, which shouldn't be a possibility or the Vikings, which shouldn't be a possibility either, then like, I'm going to be happy. So um, honestly, that's kind of segueing me. I wouldn't mind seeing Charlie Kolar in a Vikings uniform. You, I don't want to see any Iowa State players in Vikings uniforms. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I guess you're a little biased, but they already got Ken Wangu. Anyways, they have their Iowa State guys again. They, they like their Iowa State. They do. They like their Iowa State. Yeah, they do. I don't know. Okay, so that that does segue to Charlie Kolar. I, I think Charlie Kolar Kolar would be the next possible pick. Um, some people are projecting him to be late third round. I don't know exactly where he would go. I think, I think that could be a, a realistic, uh, spot for him though. Um, you know, with Charlie Kolar, it's just interesting because I feel like he doesn't really do anything poorly when just kind of an analyzing his draft stock. You know, I think he probably doesn't have like the greatest top end speed, but are you really looking for that in the tight end? Like who knows how fast Gronk, you know, Gronkowski is like he's fast for a tight end. Sure. But like, you don't really look for that. It's all about just kind of finding the holes in the offense and sitting where you need to good route runner and obviously having good hands. And I think he kind of checks the box on all of those. Um, you know, I, some one, one thing that I saw was, uh, was kind of like a negative on him. Cause I was just reading a bunch of, you know, draft analysis on just, uh, literally a, a bunch of different websites was just the fact that he was not as effective on a downfield, you know, on downfield routes. And I was wondering, is that partially on him or is that partially on our offense? Or could that even be a Purdy issue where, first of all, I think Purdy is a lot better of a deep ball thrower than people give him credit for. You know, he doesn't have a Josh Allen arm. Like we get that, but he certainly can and did throw the deep ball pretty well. But I just, I, I feel like the offense was more so, you know, centered around, those quicker passes, the intermediate passes. And that's kind of where Charlie thrived. Like, I don't think he just needed to go down the field too terribly much, but I don't know when just kind of like looking at his draft stock, that was like one of the only negatives I saw on him. And I'm like, I don't even know if you can really pin that on him. So I don't know. What are you thinking about Charlie? I think Charlie is a very interesting case. Cause he's, he's huge. Um, he's pretty big. He's obviously uh, an amazing red zone threat. And that's where I think he kind of thrives. Um, but I, th- I think he'll maybe, maybe struggle a little bit with, you know, I, I don't know. It's just, it's tough. It, it's such like a, he's done so much for us over the years that it's like, it's hard to be like, Oh, like it might not transition to the next level, but it's just like, it's really hard to to take that next step in the NFL. There's, there's so much that's required out of it. You know, I, I think, Kolar is maybe a little bit slower than would be ideal um, to be like a really good receiving threat in the NFL, um, which is why he'll probably have to use his size a lot and have to have a quarterback who probably trusts him to, to throw up high and maybe in some tight spaces. Um, but I think he could, he could easily get in the right sort of organization or with the right coach that could tailor um, and help his skill set. I think that's the other thing that, um, you know, you kind of have to hope for as a lot of these later tight ends, you know, it's, it's like one thing that they really need to work on or one thing that, uh, to improve upon. And, you know, that NFL is the best of the best. These are the best coaches. Um, you know, they're dedicate their lives to this and, and sometimes they can, they can boost those players to the next round, you know, like George Kittle was a fifth round pick. Like there's a lot of tight ends who are these late round picks that just are then 
something clicks and then they're awesome. Um, and I think Kolar has the physical tools to, to be up there. He's obviously, you know, we've talked to, to mouse and he said that Kolar was probably the smartest football player on the team, you know, mm-hmm. like, and, and that, that goes a long way. That's, that's huge, especially with quarterbacks. And if he's with like a veteran quarterback, any quarterback, but like being able to get the offense quickly and tight ends, the hardest, one of the hardest positions to, to pick up because you have the blocking and the route running. Like you have to basically learn all the offensive positions. Whereas, you know, you know, if you're a wide receiver, you just have to worry about like routes and that kind of stuff, but you, you have to work with two units when you're a tight end. So, you know, I, I think that combined with his work ethic and everything like that, that like, you know, he, he should have a, a really great chance to succeed. What's up, Ralph. Ralph's got some takes. Um mm-hmm. But you know, it's you, you obviously just never know. And um, but I, I think he he's coming from a great situation, had so much success in college too, that you know, hopefully he'll get with the right org and they'll give him a shot, he'll get some playing time and he can make a name for himself and, and carve out a, a solid NFL role. So I think that's probably where we stop in regards to confidence on people being drafted. Like, I think you can expect Charlie Kolar's name. I think you can expect Brees Hall's name. And then kind of like Mouse said, I think that Mike Rose will get drafted in the late rounds. I think Purdy will get picked up by someone in the late rounds. But at, Alan Lazard went undrafted. At this point, I do not know. I'm very confident mm-hmm. Charlie Kolar and Brees will get drafted. So from there, I don't know where everyone else is going to land. I would just say anywhere from as early as the fourth round, because Ken A kind of surprised me getting picked up in the fourth round by the Vikings um, to, you know, maybe seventh or eighth round, whatever that may be. So just because we're talking a little bit of tight ends, I want to talk on Chase Allen. Now, this is my guy. I originally had Charlie Kolar kind of for my, for my Colts, you know, my Indianapolis Colts. However, they decided it was a good idea to sign Malik Hooker to a extension. I don't know why, but they did. Not much of a blocking threat for the Colts. However, he can be a receiving threat, and that's where I land with Chase Allen. Chase Allen, come on home to Indianapolis, baby. Let's uh, make you a Colt, and let's develop you right away. This guy is just, you know, hyper-intelligent. Both he and Charlie, you know, Mouse literally said, those guys are probably the two smartest players on the team. They just happen to be, you know, working in the tight end group. Now, this guy is huge. Like, Chase Allen is a big frame and that's, you know, what, what a lot of these guys look for, but he's very strong just on his blocking game. His releasing off the line is pretty solid too, which is where I think he can kind of find success in the, and as a pass threat, but, you know, pushing, you know, pushing the line downfield for run game. And I guess, yeah, he wouldn't really have to pass block or anything, but he can just be that solid, solid blocker for any team out there. Now, one thing with Chase is it's kind of a system thing. If he's in the right system, I think he can find, you know, some solid success in the NFL, but it really, it really kind of depends on their needs. Maybe who he has even in front of him, who he can learn from. I don't know. I I just think kind of similar to Kolar, he he does play at one speed. He doesn't really have that extra level um, of acceleration, but again, that's not the highest need for the tight end position. Um, you know, as a short range to intermediate pass catcher, I think he can find a lot of success there. And also the dude is tough. He's such like a, a locker room leader and he can be one of those guys that really just thrives in the interview setting, you know, or, you know, like, and I, I think for that matter, I shouldn't even just exclude chase there. That's everyone on Iowa state. I think everyone on Iowa state is going to get a lot of looks simply from their interviews. 
Greg Eisworth is another guy we'll talk about, but I don't know. I, I think he could be one of those guys who is a very solid locker room presence. We posted earlier, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Mercedes Lewis, who's a little bit more, uh, you know, finds a little bit more value on the, pa- or, gosh, not on the passing end, but on the blocking end and the pass catching end of things, but overall is just a really strong leader for teams. I don't know. I, I could see Chase, Chase maybe having um, some success in there. Yeah, I, I think Chase, I mean, Chase and Cole are kind of have the same issues of like, they might not have that elite NFL athleticism that might make it hard for them to be as good of receiving threats, but they have all the other intangibles that should allow them to have some success. You know, very smart players should be great locker room guys should be super helpful on the offensive end. Ralph's got tight end takes <laughs> so many tight end takes. Um, and yeah, and, and I, I think the other thing with Chase is a little bit smaller. I think that's the kind of thing that worries about me, worries me about him a little bit is I, I feel like he might struggle a little bit more blocking some, you know, NFL type edge rushers and stuff like that. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think, you know, I think Kolar's got a much better shot to get drafted. I, th- I think Allen is one of those that if a team falls in love with them, they could potentially use a late round pick, but otherwise people are going to be fighting with over him to get them into camps and like, get him signed as an undrafted free agent. Um, but I think, you know, both of them have a great opportunity to kind of make a name for themselves and, and, you know, grind out a roster spot on a team um, and, and maybe, you know, stick around in the league for a bit. So, you know, like we've seen, Alan Lazard did that exact same shit. Didn't get drafted, um, you know, and that, that sometimes creates a better chip on their shoulder. It's like, Hey, I didn't get drafted. No one, no one wanted me. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to prove everyone wrong. I'm going to prove all these teams that they should draft me and Lazard's what going in his, what, you know, third year is Aaron Rodgers number two, like that kind of stuff. So, yeah. you know, sometimes, sometimes that's honestly a little bit better of a situation where you can get with a team or an organization that really wants you or that will believe in you. But um I think Alan Lazard's pretty happy that he's with the Packers and not the Jacksonville Jaguars right now. That could be it too. So, um, but yeah, so um, I, I'm excited for, you know, I think Chase might, might probably won't, won't get drafted, but you know, either way, I, I think that he'll, he won't have any, any issues getting into a camp and, and maybe having fine and finding some success. So with his demeanor and work ethic. Now, Mike Rose confuses me moving forward. Um, you know, he he was he's such an intelligent player. And we're gonna sound like a broken record because really all of these guys, that's that's kind of what makes them. They're they they're very intelligent people, but he's just he's a very tough, like physical player. And you know, one of the things I saw as kind of a negative for him is that he lacks a little bit of speed, which again, I think is kind of a fair assessment. However, one other thing that they said is he, he's slow to get to his spots um, out in coverage. And I'll admit, I, I haven't watched Mike Rose. I haven't watched for that in particular thing with Mike Rose, but I do know that he is usually really good at getting in the position to, I don't know, grab interceptions. Like, I feel like that was honestly one of his like stronger points of emphasis in that linebacker position. He always found himself intercepting the ball and just kind of like hiding behind the line. And I, I don't know that that was kind of what I was surprised about. I'm like, Oh shoot. I thought that was honestly one of his strengths. And now people are saying that's what he lacks. So again, this is one of those things where the NFL draft, I realize I don't know anything. Yeah. Like Mouse said, after Allen went undrafted, I don't know shit. 
But I do know that he's a hard-nosed player, super tough. He loves contact. He's going to love, you know, just the practice setting in an NFL locker room. I don't know. I don't know. I, I've just always yeah. been big on Mike Rose, and I think I think he could. I don't know. I, don't know. I, I think he's just he a really baller. I, AJ Klein. Yeah, Mike's a, a playmaker. He's a he playmaker. Is. I think AJ Klein is a great comparison. I, I think. I think. Yeah. I think the thing that makes it a little bit tougher for Mike is the position of how linebackers kind of going. I think you're finding so many of these guys that teams want now that are these sort of hybrid linebacker safeties where they've mm-hmm. got to be fast enough to cover running backs coming out and, and maybe even slot receivers slash like pretty athletic tight ends. But then they also still need to be able to like edge rush and help like, you know, prevent, be, be big on run defense. And and I think that's like a thing that it's just, it's going to maybe be tough for him because he's not the most athletic person. You know, he's not, he's, he's high motor, He's smart playmaker, but you know, it's not like his athleticism is some sort of elite level at all. So that, that's kind of the but only like, thing that really worries me about Mike. Cause everything else, you yeah. know, in him is, is great. He's usually, you know, he's been in, he's been leading a defense since his freshman year. Um and wasn't he at one point like the interception leader in the Big 12? At, at one point through it wasn't last season, but it must have been like the 20, 2020 season. Um I don't know. And if you watch him play, he's in on almost every single tackle. He covers so much ground just the way he plays. Uh, I don't know. I guess that was kind of why, you know, I, I don't – I really don't know much about linebackers dropping in coverage. I just don't. Um, but it just surprised me because he always found himself with the ball in his hand and, and jumping a lot of routes. And, and again, on that same pattern, he, he's everywhere on the field. Like, he's in on every single tackle. So – he covers quite a bit of ground um, and kind of staying on the linebacker train. Jake Hummel is one of those guys who I think does a great job of elevating himself to as far as he can go. Like he plays very well with the potential that he has, has just great, great instincts as a linebacker. And, and like I said, he surprised me a ton in his um, pro day where he jumped. I, I forgot all the stats I lifted off for me, but he had a hell of an Iowa state pro day. And I think he could be one of those guys where he, you know, maybe turn some heads a little bit to, you know, give him a shot. I, I don't know if he was necessarily a concrete, um, you know, camp player. Well, I think he probably would have gone to some camps, but I think he's at, he's kind of on the verge of like a Landon Acres where, you know, he, he could find himself in that role of, you know, backing someone up. I don't know. I, I, I just think very highly of Jake Hummel. I think he just – does really well with what he has. And I'm starting to learn more that he has even more in the tank than I even realized. Yeah. And um, you obviously never know how they're going to translate to the next level. Sometimes the increase in competition boosts these guys. They're like, yeah, I'm, I'm ready for it. You know, I was competitive at the college level. I'm going to be competitive at the pro level. So you never truly know what's going to happen with it. It's, it's obviously all just kind of a crapshoot. Um, you know, we're excited. We, we, I, I think that's the one thing that we can say about all these guys and just kind of like the general Matt Campbell culture is like, he's set these players up for what should be success down the road or putting them in successful positions. Cause a lot of these guys are smart. A lot of them are good football IQs. You know, they, they make good reads a lot of things that, you know, that you can overcome maybe not being the most athletic or the, you know, whatever with, 
beating people to the spot because you, you recognize stuff mentally or you made the right play, the right read, that kind of stuff. So, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's a, a big component to it. Um, and that, that can be a big separator between, you know, some guy who's a little bit more athletic, but just doesn't, doesn't understand the game as well. Like I'm, you're going to probably want the higher IQ football player in that case. Mm-hmm. So, so this is my dark horse for being drafted. Um, Uazarike. Uh, oh, damn it. I already gave it out. I already gave it out. But this guy has shown just so much potential his entire career. And in a weird way, it was, it was kind of interesting to watch him because truth be told, I'm not sure he ever took that extra step forward that I thought he would, but he had always shown a high level of athleticism, speed, and his size is something that those NFL teams look for. I think his first step off the off the snap is a little slow, um, and he's just overall. I, th- I think he shows a little bit of inconsistencies, you know. But that is also exactly what some NFL teams look for. They look for that potential. They look for okay, what what did you perform, or how were you when you were at your greatest? And this guy was fantastic at his greatest. Um, again, just kind of the inconsistencies in his game is something that could ser- could certainly be fine-tuned in the NFL. But his, man, his potential as a defensive tackle, who man, he, he could actually really develop in the NFL. Like, he is by no means done. And I think if an NFL team takes a chance on him and he gets a good coach and develops well, then he could certainly find himself to be a really effective um, pass rusher. And, and he's a tough player too. Like he, he clogs up so much in the interior that, you know, he, he can make many offensive struggle from the running game as well. So he is just interesting to me, very similar to Kenny Nwangu in the way that, you know, maybe he didn't show as much as you'd want on the college football field, but as far as potential and what you can groom this guy into, he can certainly be special. So he's kind of my dark horse. I think he's going to be third off the board from all, you know, from Iowa state football players. Obviously we'll see, but he he's my dark horse. I'm calling it right now. All right. You can call that. I, I, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how to third off the board. I, it, yeah. Cause we could, we could even get just, uh, only two off the board. You know, we obviously had six combine invites, which is good. Um, and a lot of these guys are potential late rounds where it's just like, if a team kind of falls in love with them and wants to go that route, then, then yeah, they'll definitely go for it. Um, you know, Awazarike, I, I, I think you did a good job with it of like had the potential and I think maybe could take that next step, um, in the NFL, um, and, and maybe with the right organization, you know, cause at times he was just an, an animal at Iowa state. And I think maybe getting a little bit more consistent, um, or even if you're just, you're not playing as many snaps, but you're making the most of your snaps when you're edge rushing and stuff like that, that that's huge too. So, and, and we've seen that that's, it's very important. Um, you know, a lot of teams are looking for edge rushers, strong DNs, you know, getting a good defensive line is, is so key now for, for solid football teams. So, I, 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 I kind of like the more I've been thinking about, it, I kind of, I kind of like your take of him being third off the board. Cause I think that's probably the most likely, you know, we obviously going to go Brees Kolar and then, you know, I, I think Wazirike is right there. And then if a team wants to take a shot on, on Purdy or Rose, who are kind of the only ones, but I, I just, I don't know. I, I feel like I don't feel terribly confident in either of those guys, maybe getting, Mm-mm. getting some love on draft day, but 
and someone who's kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum of Uwazarike is someone who's quite literally on the opposite end of the ball, Colin Newell. Um, a guy who maybe lacks some athleticism that you'd want to see at the next level in the NFL, but someone who has a lot of experience, a very smart player, very quick with his first step too, despite how, you know, maybe he has some athletic limitations. He's, he keeps his feet moving and he's very good at, you know, just finding someone to block. Oftentimes when, you know, maybe there's uh, they overload one side of the line. Sometimes you can find yourself without anyone to block. And oftentimes those offensive linemen just, just stand there, just not doing much. He's always keeping his feet moving. He always has his head on his swivel and he always picks up a block somewhere. That's kind of what I liked about him. Admittedly, I didn't watch a ton of offensive linemen. Um, you know, I, these are just small things that I kind of see here and there just while watching them. But I, I don't, I don't know if he's, you know, going to find himself off the draft board or anything, but he, he could be one of those guys that finds himself in a camp setting and his experience and his intelligent and his, you know, quick burst can certainly help him uh, be effective elsewhere. Do you know much about offensive line or is that a, is that the extent of our offensive line talk? <laughs> that's that might be the extent of our offensive line talk. I, I do not know a terrible <laughs> amount of it. I, that's I've always been so goddamn short that it's never been, I've never once been, no one's ever been like, Hey, new step in and play offensive line. It's been, it's never been considered. So it's, it's all about grooming too. You know, if you find yourself in a good spot and in, in the right system and someone grooms you the right way, like, I don't know if, Josh Allen would have been Josh Allen without Brian Dable. Like he had the worst accuracy in the league. And then the very following year, I think he had, I don't know if it was the best, but top five accuracy. So you can really like groom yourself in the league nowadays, which is something that we haven't always seen. Um, so I don't know, like so guys like him, guys like Awazarike who just have high potential can maybe find themselves in the right position to be successful. And then one of the last guys I want to talk about before we get to Purdy, cause I want to talk Purdy a lot. Um, Greg Eisworth, you know, been a cyclone for quite a long time, has a lot of experience, very smart player, knows where to be on the field, hard hitter. Um, maybe his back pedal is something that could be improved upon, but what are your thoughts on Greg Eisworth? I don't know. Like, I was shocked that he didn't get invited to the combine. That really threw me off. That was weird. It was weird. And, and I've, I've had, like – and this is this is a very hot take, but like I think he might. I don't know why. I I, I feel like watching him play, like he's been so good on the defensive end that I feel like he has the chance to have like the best success or, or Stan or Ross or the longest. You know, like Ooh. that's that's gonna be my my little hot take here. And that's not taking away from anyone else. I just think like I really like the way that Eisworth plays, and I think that if he's given the right opportunity, that he might be able to translate. And, and I don't know, it, it's, this could be totally biased. Um, it definitely is a little biased, but he's just, he's been that guy. He, he started Juco level, dominated there, came to Iowa state and dominated too. Like he was, you know, first team, like he was all big 12 multiple years and stuff. Like the dude has just, he's performed at what level he's played at. And he's kind of been overlooked a little bit. And I feel like he's getting overlooked a little bit right now too. You know, it's yeah. I, I don't know. Like I was really surprised that he was not invited to the combine. I, I, I was like, he's a little bit small, like shorter, but I don't know. Cause he'd probably have to play like he, he'd be more, he's more so of a box safety than a free safety. And I think that is a little bit harder on him because of his size. But like I said, with the, kind of this hybrid style of, of what defenses are looking for, they're looking for versatile people. And like Eisworth can play coverage or could like, yeah, 
do do well against running backs, tight ends, that kind of stuff, um, and still provide good run support and everything like that. Like he, he fucking he's not afraid of contact. So I, I don't know. We'll all. see. You know, I think he could have gotten lost a little in the shuffle just because of injuries. You know, injuries really limited his visibility, both to scouts and especially fans like his last couple of years in the in in college football. Um, You know, I think if he improves his coverage a little bit more then he can find himself in a favorable position because he is his like, what do I want to say? Like his closing speed, like when he's running full-fledged at you he is lethal like he is just straight up lethal i think just sometimes he can um let people maybe get behind him so as a safety that's that's just one of the biggest no-nos but if you're playing that strong safety role maybe like a kind of like you said like a hybrid safety linebacker position then you know he he can maybe find a little bit of slack there um but yeah I, i mean he's just he's so intelligent too and he was a former quarterback, so you know that he knows the game really well. And that's things that some people look at. Now, last but not least, Brock Purdy, the pride and joy of Iowa State, the four-year starter, the heartthrob of Ames, Iowa, finally leaving us. We will miss him for sure. Excited for Hunter Deckers. But, you know, this is one of the guy who makes good decisions However, when he makes a bad decision, it is very obvious, <laughs> you know, like for the most part, he does make good decisions. And I just, I want to say that out loud because I think a lot of us do tend to forget that sometimes with the offense that we're running, but also his bad moments, he's had some bad moments. I've always said the take, he's a hero. He's had to play hero ball his entire time at Iowa state. And sometimes when you play hero ball, you're going to look like an idiot every now and then. I mean, if you watch Justin Fields film closely every now and then he would, he would have probably like one in every 20 throws. He would just throw the weirdest duck that went absolutely nowhere. And you're like, what the hell was that? You know, but that's not him all the time. It's just, those are sometimes what you're seeing in the highlights when people are wanting to bash on him. Um, he threw two of probably the worst interceptions in Iowa state history. I'd be remiss if I didn't say that, but also he's borderline the greatest quarterback in Iowa state history, you know, with the argument to be made of Seneca Wallace, Sage Rosenfels, and maybe David Archer. Um, but I don't know. I, I love Purdy. I think he throws the deep ball a lot better than people give him credit for. He's highly accurate, had the highest accuracy percentage of any other quarterback in the draft by a long shot. I think his was 71.8 in the next highest was 66. Like he is five percentage points better in accuracy than any of those other guys. Again, while keeping in mind that he's throwing to maybe who wasn't the greatest wide receiver core last year. You know, we really leveraged Chase Allen and Charlie Kolar with our tight ends. And then there was X um, Jalen Noel kind of came on toward the end of the year, but that was who he was throwing to. And he still had the highest accuracy percentage by a long ways. So you're getting a smart guy. You're getting a team leader. And also a playmaker. The dude has moxie. He is patient. He goes through his progressions very, very well. And I mean, I, I think sometimes he can hold on to the ball a little too long, but he also didn't have the greatest offensive line to always, you know, support that. So I don't know. I, I'm not saying he's going to be a starter in the NFL, but he is one of those guys. I, I truly, truly, truly do believe that he will find himself in the backup role. And I just hope he finds himself in the right backup role. Am I too high on him? You're giving me some smirks. No, no, no. I, I think it's it's very Iowa State optimistic. Um, it probably is. It probably it is. is. You know, it's, I I don't know. It's he's a little undersized. 
his arm isn't great. These are just kind of things that, that make it hard to stick around because it's like, mm-hmm. those are, it's different if you're a project quarterback and you're like six, four and you have an arm on you, but you're just like struggle with the mental aspect of, or whatever, like th- things like that. Whereas I feel like Purdy might get overlooked a little bit because it's just, he doesn't maybe have those things where a team's like, Oh, we can, we can build on this or, Oh, we can like, there's this potential here and we can, we can add to it. You know, the things that he's kind of gotten nicked on are, are things that make it hard. If you are then like a project quarterback to stick around, you know, of lack of arm strength. Um, I just, I think Brock not having some of the saw after intangibles of a late round quarterback would just make it hard for a team to maybe invest a lot of time and development into him. The fact that he's on the shorter end, smaller end, kind of relies on his his feet and athleticism a little bit more. Um, just things that maybe don't normally always translate or kind of like, you know, teams will have project quarterbacks. Like most teams, they're, they're third guy or if they're, they trust their backup enough, normally is a project quarterback that, you know, maybe has – the great arm strength and just needs to crowl and like accuracy and stuff like that. Um, but, but Brock does have some great qualities. He is accurate, which I think is one thing that always gets overlooked a little bit of, you know, like people always think that you can become more accurate, but it only gets harder at the NFL cause way fucking faster. So it's a yeah. lot harder to try and improve on that. You and know? he sometimes did struggle to throw in tight windows. That was specifically, I would agree. specifically downfield. Like I think um, he's very good at finding the open guy, um, which that alone is will help your accuracy more than anything else. So that there is a lot to be said about that, but those tight windows down the field, 30 plus yards, he did struggle with every now and then. So, and and he's going to get knocked for that. I also think a lot of like screens and short yardage stuff really kind of inflated his completion percentage a bit. We, we ran a lot of like wider receiver screen, quick throws to the sideline, like that kind of stuff was, you know, kind of a, key key component of our offense um you know but he, he still was really accurate it's just you know i i, I think it's the the pretty simple things decision making wasn't always one isn't always the greatest and and kind of the certain blunders were bad and he did hold hold on to the ball a little bit too long he could kind of get in this hero ball mentality which leads to sacks and forced fumbles and stuff like that that's always a little bit dangerous um but you know, he's also got this demeanor. He's led a program for four years. He has this mentality of like, Hey, I helped kind of like turn this thing around. I've been a leader. I've been someone that players have looked to for a lot of years. You know, he started since he was what the third game of his freshman year, I believe that's when he came in like third or fourth game. Was it third game? I I don't believe it wasn't the third game. No. It was pretty um, early. It was Oklahoma State for State. homecoming, I believe. It was October. Okay, so it was, it was like end of October. Six, six game. Yeah. So ever since then, he's been the guy. And it's always been like he's been the guy. And that experience goes a long way. Um, and, you know, like we'll keep saying it, but he's got that Iowa State like kind of demeanor of, you know, he's he's been in this culture that's changed a little bit. He's been around a good coaching staff that I think can – has set a good example for how to be successful. And, you know, some team wants to see the the good in him and, and see, you know, kind of the, the plays that he made and, and take that, that chance on him. Then, you know, I, I'm excited for it. Like he's definitely going to get a shot. That's the best part is that like, you know, there's no doubt that he'll get camp invites and, and have a, a chance to, to latch onto someone's roster. I just, I think 
it'll just be a little bit harder with maybe some of his intangibles um, to get a team to, you know, keep him on the roster moving forward. Cause it just, there might not be a lot of like potential that they see in him. You know, it's like, Hey, this is a quarterback, you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, and this guy was a starter, but it's like, it's kind of like looking at like Taylor Heineke. It's like, you know, this guy's a little bit smaller, kind of makes some moves with his feet and to kind of get out of trouble. Maybe he doesn't have the greatest arm, all this kind of stuff and can gap and, and maybe get some wins, but he's not someone that you're going to ever kind of build your franchise around, you know? No, or, you're not. And, and I think I love that. That shouldn't be the expectation here for Brock. Like that, that shouldn't be, you know, like hell, if he even has something similar to the Sage Rosenfeld's career, that's super scary. Any of these guys, you latch like that. The average NFL career is like less than three years. Any of these guys hit three years. That's fucking awesome. You know? Yeah. Cause they're, they're getting good money and they're sticking around and, and that's, that's changing their whole futures. So that that's all you want. You just want these guys to be in there. It's like, you know, yeah. Brees is going to get some playing time for sure. But other than that, we don't really know you now. Yeah. So I love the Taylor Heineke comparison. I, I think that would probably be the cap of what his career yeah, would yeah. amount to. Um, but, you know, I mean, Heineke found himself in that situation where he was able to kind of strut his stuff. And that's kind of what I'm hoping for. I'm, I don't really know if I want him to go to like Miami. Actually, no, I want to mind him go to Miami. But like, honestly, what I want for Purdy is for him to go to an organization that doesn't really have much of a backup. I don't know if the Miami Dolphins have a backup. Correct me if I'm wrong, because I know they traded Jacoby Brissett and also an injury-prone quarterback. Not that I'm rooting for an injury, but hey, he would be more likely to probably get some form of PT backing up to a tag of Valoa than he would like Tom Brady or, or Aaron Rodgers, I guess. And, and, you know, Aaron Rodgers might have COVID toe, so we'll see. <laughs> but um, I don't know. That's what I want for him. And I think that would be, you know, just great. But should we move on to some USFL? Yes. All right. So here are Cyclone Nation's two favorite teams in the United States Football League. The Michigan Panthers, LaMichael Petway, as well as Jaquan Bailey are both Michigan Panthers. So those are your guys to look out for for the Michigan Panthers. And secondly, my favorite team, New Orleans Breakers with Camila Tongamoa, as well as E-Zone, EJ Bitts. Yes. You know, this is as a fullback and a tight end. Ooh. He's living the dream. Bibbs. I don't know if Bibbs is a, um, what is it? If he's lunch pail enough to be listed as a fullback. That doesn't, I don't know. He doesn't give me fullback vibes. He can't he's a little too much of a diva. He could, he could never be a kicker either. <laughs> he couldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I'm excited. It's always great to see these guys get you know, opportunity to play. And I don't know how I feel about spring football. Um, we'll see if it sticks around, but at worst, you know, you get to watch a little football when the only thing that's really going on is baseball and well, playoffs are starting up for NBA and NHL as well. But yeah. Yeah. I don't know. know. I went with spring football. It honestly, this just proves that I'm, I'm terrible. I'm just a dumbass because I continue to think that it's going to work eventually. Um, you know, when the AAF came out, <laughs> oh, that was a throwback, AAF. Yeah, I, I kind of didn't have the greatest feeling with that. But then when the XFL did come out, I did actually think it was going to work. Now, maybe it would have. You know, COVID did 
hurt that pretty bad and obviously shut their season short. And that sucked for a lot of those players. And I, I felt terrible for them. And also spring football is, is really good for just the sport of football in general. You know, there is no G league right now. So it's basically like, if you're going to play in the NFL, it's either you're going to play in the NFL or you're going to play in the CFL. And that's, those are your, really your only two options. So I love the idea of spring football. And I think football is a good enough or a big enough, you know, money driver to work. I just think you kind of have to have the right pieces around it. USFL. I know they have Fox sports kind of helping them out. I don't know what other, you know, pedestals they have kind of launching them up, but the XFL is coming back next year with the rock. Oh man, dude, by the way, the rock as like, a co-owner of the XFL. That's going to be legit, but they're also working with the NFL too. So that's why I think the XFL next year will actually work because it has some form of stability with the NFL kind of, you know, backing it up as well as, and, and make fun of the rock all you want, but having a big name like that, someone that can like, like these big investors, that is actually what drives the sport. The USFL, I don't know, you know, what that outlook looks for them. I'm just hopeful that it will, because I think spring football can and should work. It's only, only good for, you know, the sport. And I mean, look at PJ Walker. He found some stars in the NFL and he's electric. He is very fun to watch. And he's going to be one of those guys that because of his XFL career, he's probably going to stick around in the league as a backup for, I would venture to say probably another four more years. Like he's, he's just going to find, you know, room in the NFL. Whereas earlier he wouldn't have had that opportunity. So Spring football should work. It's really good for the sport. Everyone should get behind it. If you're a football fan, watch these damn games because that, that matters, you know? And um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm so excited to watch, you know, Bibbs take the field again with some Petway action, Jaquan Bailey, Tungamoa. I, I don't know. I just, I'm so badly rooting for these guys. I just want it to work. I agree. Um, I definitely want it to work too. And it'll you know like you said if you like football then it's definitely something that you should be watching and paying attention to because it gives these guys a chance to keep developing it gives you know it extends people's careers and if it's a product that you're interested in then you should be supporting that and and these players and and give them that opportunity to to keep playing and potentially realize their dream of of playing in the nfl or if their dreams of playing the usfl whatever you know like um either way very excited for it and you know Hopefully Bibbs catches some touchdowns because he, he talks a lot about catching touchdowns. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think the XFL component's interesting too, because like the USFL is going to have a year up on them, you know, and they're going to be competing mm-hmm. at the same time. Like, I, I feel like that's, uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays itself out, but you're also, you also know so much about if the USFL is going to be able to stick around within a couple of weeks. Cause usually what happens is the first weekend's pretty good ratings, a lot of tuning in. And then after that it, it can drop, but you know, you got to get that retention. So, um, but I'll be reporting on that because that's, that's part of my work. So <laughs> good. I'm jealous. I'm jealous. Um, moving on to the NBA before we close out here, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, amazing year with the Pacers, Taylor Horton Tucker had a solid year too. I know the Lakers didn't have an overall great year, but THD, he's always a dog. Um, Lindell Wigginton had a, a pretty big standout game with the Bucks, but good luck to specifically Lindell, uh, Monte Morris, George Niang, Matt Thomas. So you got the Nuggets, the Sixers, Chicago Bulls, and the Milwaukee Bucks through for, for your Cyclones in the NBA in the playoffs. 
Um, now, out of those teams, who is most likely to win it all? The Bucs. It's got to be Sixers, right? It's the Bucs. Oh, the Bucs. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that was – no, you're right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Definitely the Bucs. I mean, the Sixers, actually, you really could make an argument for the Sixers. I think MB's been playing out of his mind. Um, if You if get Harden, out of the Sixers, I'll take the Bucs. How about that? No, because I like the Bucs. <laughs> Bucs have, like, low-key been probably my favorite team to watch in the NBA for, like, the past couple of years. So, I'm, I'm not going to not take the Bucs. Um, I don't know. James Harden, as long as he can uh, – make something work then they can certainly be a threat the bucks are they're just they're just never not good like you can always depend on them Giannis is like impossible to root against in my opinion um and oh gosh wow how the hell am i blanking on his name who's the number two for the bucks why am i blanking on his name it's middleton Yes, Chris Middleton has really came into his own this year. Like, he's turned into such a reliable two for them. And Drew Holiday has been fantastic. Also, did you see Drew Holiday secure that bag? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was That cool. was great. So, for who, whoever's not aware, Drew Holiday just needed to play one more game to earn his $310,000 incentive. So, he checked in the game, to, had one foul, and immediately checked out. I don't think he was in the game for literally longer than 60 seconds. I love that. Oh my gosh. But those are your cyclones in the NBA. So cheer hard for them. Go Bucks and go Sixers. Yes. And Nuggets. And Nuggets. Nuggets, yeah, they can make some noise, but it's it's kind of like death taxes, Nuggets losing in the second round. Like they're they're not gonna they're not gonna go much. I mean, they have the MVP. But yeah, I agree though. Great. I agree. They just don't have a good two. Because they um, don't isn't who is it? Oh gosh, Murray, he's hurt. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he's been hurt all year, so I don't know. You never know. If they, if they had him, then then I honestly think they're a different team, and they are certainly a, a threat to maybe maybe win the Western Conference. But I think I think Phoenix is just too damn good, dude. Like they're 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 very. You know, I think it's the Bucks in the Eastern Conference, Phoenix in the Western Conference. I know that Miami's been playing well. Celtics Celtics somehow beat the Bucks with Tatum out and like no one playing. So, you know, the Celtics are certainly a great matchup, but I just, I can't, I don't know. Those are just like my, my two teams kind of, kind of coming out of each of those conferences. So we'll see how it goes. The NBA playoffs is like the time when I actually try and watch every single game, you know, throughout the season, it's just kind of, all right, who's, who's playing today, you know, throw them on and just kind of watch, watch haphazardly as you know six stars are out because of you know load management man they gotta they gotta figure that shit out but uh i don't know it's fun i like the nba playoffs i do too it's usually when i watch my nba as well though last year i did not watch nearly as much as i normally do because well, with the usfl it might cannibalize some of my sports watching so we'll see good point i watch a lot of baseball now so okay um before we get to your baseball takes i want to release a new segment new new segment sound plug it in right now all right you'll have to figure that out because remember you're editing this one okay new segment self-criticism because i think we as a new podcast need to reflect on some of the things that are our opportunities and weaknesses now me, you and me, especially me, 
intermingled Duke and UNC like a dozen times last episode. Like we kept screwing that up. Like I would say Duke when I met UNC, then you would say North Carolina when you met Duke and it happened at least 12 different times. Like, like, Oh my gosh, how, how are we ever going to, you know, make our words clear, let alone concise. If we don't even know how to use the correct team. I don't know. Some self-criticism for us there. That's your self-criticism. Mm-hmm. And you need to talk into the mic. It, it was a not? lot of this vibes, a lot of this vibes. That's a good self-criticism. When, when I, I also when you hear still, back, you're going to, you're going to hate hearing that. You're going to hate. I know that. I'm going <laughs> to hate this. I, I'm going to hate this episode. It's going to be, I might not listen. We're going to lose. We're going to lose like 10% of our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll lose. We'll lose what? Two. <laughs> Sounds about right. Um, any other self-criticism, self-criticism before we get into your shitty baseball takes? Um, your bachelor party is in a little over two weeks. I still and haven't booked no my one flight. Feels bad for you. <laughs> Newt was I'm not the last person to book. I'm not looking the, for that. At the lodging we're staying at, and all of course, pretty much everything is booked, and he's you know, immediately jumps to the bachelor party group chat and is all whiny, like, oh, they don't have any lodging for me. Does all. anyone else <laughs> want to, like, does anyone else want to, like, dip their own reservation and come stay with me? And everyone's like, no, no one's going to want to do that. It's a good impersonation of me. You work on that a lot? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Every night I just stare in the mirror and I um, do my Jacob Newton impression. I'm sure you do. Because mm, I'm not obsessed with you. <laughs> All right, let's get into your shitty fantasy baseball takes. I'm going to mute my line and um, I don't know, work on some work or something. <laughs> yeah, dude, you can get out of here. You don't even need to stay on anymore. So, <laughs> no, I, I want to hear you try and uh, struggle through this. Good luck. Nice, nice. Floor is yours. Um, the floor is mine. Okay, here we go. My fantasy baseball takes <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how i should start about this um pl- i'm gonna just do a little uh, little advice of players i love moving forward that i think you can still get com- somewhat cheap as we've only played a couple games this year and, and i'll piggyback if i recognize the player's name i'll say something okay okay um here is my first guy i love this guy I had him last year until he got hurt. Um, he was amazing for my team, and his team's only gotten better. Reese Hoskins, first baseman for the Phillies. You do not know who that is. Reece Have you ever Hos- heard of Reese Hoskins before? Is it Reese or Brees? Reese. R. Oh, then that changes everything. I don't know him. Correct. Um, fantastic first baseman for the Phillies. Um, that lineup is deadly with Schwarber, Cassianos, Harper. Castellanos, and, I know that name. Yeah, there's a deep drive in uh, left center <laughs> field, and that'll be a 4 nothing ball game, as I don't know if I'll ever put on this headset again. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so Philly's playing one of the most hitter-friendly ballparks. Um, he was leading the, the MLB or the NL in home runs before he got hurt last year, too. Um, and I think with that lineup, he'll be able to increase or improve upon his numbers this year, and I still think that you can get him relatively cheap. Um as we're only a few games in as well. So 
that's my first guy who I'm a big fan of. And you did great. Keep going. Fuck you. <laughs> it's just I don't know shit. Like I know. I, I think you're doing a good job. Okay. And then I've got I've got two starting pitchers to keep their eye on. Ooh. Logan Webb and Justin Verlander. Ooh, I know Justin Verlander. I like Logan Webb's yes. name. Mm-hmm. Logan Webb plays in a great hitter-friendly ballpark. He has an amazing defense behind him, and he is probably the Giants' ace. He was going in drafts a little high, but I think you can still get him for pretty good value, and he could potentially be your starting pitcher one on the year and a very good starting pitcher two for your roster. And I think Verlander is kind of in the same boat, but would be a little bit harder to get now. He's a little bit pricier, but Verlander looked good in his first start. Plays with one of the best offenses or the best offense in the MLB in the Astros. And that should help get him a lot of wins. Um, And he's looked pretty good recovering from Tommy John surgery. Um, And I think that he could potentially be one of the best aces or maybe even like one of the best starting pitchers um, in fantasy this year. So and the Astros were the team that cheated, right? They did cheat. Good job. Thank you for I'm your good. baseball insight. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's that's all I've got. This is a little five minutes of fancy baseball with Newt. Um, I don't Check know if it'll come back. back. I don't know if it'll come back again. But we're, if it does, this might be on next week's self criticism segment. We'll see. Nice. I think you did a great job. I can't tell if you're being sarcastic or not. Well, that's Which just is- the thing. I'd actually, I have no idea if you did a good job or not because I don't know anything about baseball. So, yeah. you know, do you, do you want to know why I kind of dumped baseball at an early age? This is just this is so middle school of me because it's boring. Um, well, uh, you know how I'm like a, like a little old for our, I guess, our grade. We're, we're graduating. Yeah, you're now. fucking old, dude. It's dope. OK, you know how awesome it was turning 21 before everyone else. And I got to just hang out with the upperclassmen. And I was that cool underclassman. Oh, it was great. It was awesome. That's why me and you are friends. You're you graduated a year before me. But anyway, um, because of that, growing up, baseball is at least in um, Clive, Iowa, was based on age. It wasn't based on grades. So you had to play with people your age because it's a summer sport. And I always had to play with the people a year older than me. And I never really liked baseball that much. I just kind of played it because all my friends did. And then when I found out in fifth grade that I'd be playing baseball without any of my friends, I didn't really want to do it. My parents forced me to do it. And I went to the first practice, cried, and I never came back. That wasn't actually fifth grade. I think it was like third grade or something like that. It was really early on, like before I ever even had a chance to really care about baseball. But that was where my baseball career ended about third or fourth grade. So it was, I know you guys care. I played through my freshman year of high school, but. No position where you shortstop. I can see you being a shortstop. Nope. Center field. Center field. Got the speed. I like it. That's right. Well, this was great. I I think this was our best episode yet. (laughs) Are we going to say that after every shitty episode? Yeah. That's, that's what we need to say. Yeah. (laughs) Just, you know, the more we say it's, it, the it's, more it becomes yeah. a reality. It's the so. part of my take thing of where they're like, 
great question for you. And then you ask a question. So, so then they're like, oh, that is a good question. So it's like, hey, great episode. Like, this is a great episode. So we'll just, yeah. we should just keep sprinkling that in. After like every time we speak, we should just be like, that's a great point. This is a great episode. Like, no, great I, like I said, I thought you did a great job with that. That was really good. You gave me some insight that if I were to ever be playing fantasy football, now I know what to do with it, you know? Fancy baseball, but yeah, okay. Ver, Ver, Vermander, Justin Verlander, Vermander. Verlander. Verlander. You know See, I knew his name. And now, and I want to have really he's married to Kate Upton, him. dude. Oh, maybe that's why I know him. Kate Upton's beautiful. Big fan. I, I had a huge middle school crush on her. So were you one of those guys that had her famous poster in your in your bedroom? I did not have the poster. I don't think the Newton family, like Nancy, would not be allowing that on my walls. Okay, my family wanted either, and I'm gonna give a really lame take. I always thought those were kind of weird. Like it's like weird bedroom decorations. Like, that oh, is you, you want to look at like softcore porn on my wall? Isn't that dope? <laughs> Don't you guys want to come to my house to look at my posters on my wall? Oh yeah, it's great. Hey, like... I agree. I had a, this is coming from someone who had a train theme room. I just had pictures of trains. So. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys want to go way cooler, way cooler. I don't know. My, my bedroom is all decorated in like Iowa state stuff that has like jerseys posted everywhere. Honestly, like it was something that we kind of designed when I was young in middle school. And I still kind of like it, you know, I, I felt no need to change it. I have an Iowa state corner or not corner. I have an Iowa state shelf in my current adult room that I feel like is, is good. And now I just have a shit ton of plants. So if you like plants, then you'd maybe like my room decor, but that's about it. So are they fake plants or real plants? No, these are real fuckers. Oh, so you, you bring things to life that just inevitably die in your room. That's cool. That's not sadistic at all. Well, I give them a lot of love. Um, I talk to them almost every day and check on them multiple times. I'm like a helicopter plant parent. It's, it's really bad. Um, dude, wait, we actually had that science experiment. I, I shit you not. We had like a science experiment where you grew two plants. One of them, you just watered regularly every single day. And then the other one, you water it just like you do the other, but then you add one extra element and see, and, and the goal was to see if anything that you added to it would help it. So some people like poured a splash of Gatorade in there to see if electrolytes helped it grow. And then one other thing that someone did that I thought was hilarious is they put, and they committed to this because they made a video of it. They put headphones on music. one of the other plants and played an hour of music with that plant every single day. And that plant, believe it or not, actually grew to be a little bit bigger, probably yep. like a, like a microcosm bigger to the point where it was, you know, really had no effect on it, but it helped his science results. So that was what we ran with it. You know what I also have in my room? I have a, a stuffed animal dog that I refuse to give up. Taylor had a talk with me about it the other day. She's like, what are we going to do when we move into like our, our place after we're married? Like, are you still going to keep him on your bed? And I'm like, are you telling yeah. me I have to get rid of him? That's weird. <laughs> I've had him my entire life. And now you're saying it's not okay for me to have him. Like that's, that's a little weird. I had him when you started dating me. So now you're trying to go back on that. Like, I don't know. I thought, I thought it was really uncool of her. That sounds like something that you need to talk to Taylor about, not our podcast listeners, but I just need everyone else to get on my side so we can team up on her. That's, okay. that's the key to a healthy marriage. Getting, getting that other is. people on your Ganging side. Up. So you team up. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, if you made it this far, which I'm sure you haven't, um, you deserve wings.
at BNC Fieldhouse. So head on over to BNC Fieldhouse every Wednesday for 50 Cent Wings, as well as their new drink, which is a name I cannot pronounce, but it is a great drink. You know what? I'm going to I'm going to try and find it here. It's called like the 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 ch the ch something ch the caperana. Is that am I pronouncing that right? The caperana? I have no idea. C A I P I R I N H A. Whatever. It looks delicious. So try that out. Let me know how it is. And as always, thank you for tuning in. Roll clones. Roll clones, baby. Actually, best, episode, best episode yet. Best episode for best sure. Best episode for yes. sure. I am going to love that when we This is going to be at the top of both the Spotify and Apple podcast charts. Actually, how sad would it be if this like randomly ends up being our most listened to episode? <laughs> Means we're we're building a following, maybe. <laughs> okay.